on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas. Seems a long time ago now, but back in 1976, Elton John sang, Sorry seems to be the hardest word to say. There's been a lot of talk recently about apologising, about saying sorry. A couple of months ago, there was the incident between Lady Susan Hussey, William's godmother, and Ngozi Fulani, the founder of the organisation Sister Space. During a Buckingham Palace reception where Fulani was a guest, Hussey demanded Fulani explain what part of Africa she was really from. Afterwards, Hussey formally apologised to Fulani and stepped down from her honorary role. And then we've all been hearing over the last few weeks Prince Harry and Meghan laying out their story, telling it in full through their Netflix docuseries, Harry and Meghan. According to the Sunday Times, a source close to Prince Harry and Meghan has said that they're hoping to meet with senior members of the royal family as they feel they have yet to receive any sort of recognition or apology about what they experienced. In a new interview with The Telegraph, Harry seemingly shared a cautionary message directed towards the monarchy. You know what you did, and I now know why you did it, he said while speaking with that newspaper. And he said, you've been caught out, so just come clean. Apologies. Sometimes they're somewhat hesitant. On August the 17th, 1998, during a White House address to the nation, President Clinton fessed up to having a sexual relationship with his intern, Monica Lewinsky. I misled people, including even my wife, he said. He had a long line of regrets, but didn't necessarily say sorry. And then there was former President Ronald Reagan, who had regrets over Iranian dealings. In 1987, he admitted that serious mistakes were made in dealings with Iran. Sometimes apologies are really demonstrative, like back in 1077 when the Holy Roman Emperor Henry IV apologised to Pope Gregory for church-state conflicts and stood barefoot in the snow for three days. I think he really meant it. And then sometimes apologies are delayed. They can be a long time coming. The Civil Liberties Act in America apologised on behalf of the people in the United States for the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. That apology was issued in August 1988. So apologising. We talk about it a lot. How good are we at doing it? And do we really mean it? Here tonight on Lucas on Life. We're thinking about saying sorry, apologising. The man in the seat next to me on the airplane was chewing tobacco and then spitting the juice in a cup. I know, that's gross. I'm a tolerant enough chap, but as another shot of yellow stained saliva hit the polystyrene, it occurred to me that this practice should be considered a capital offence. I groaned. Suddenly, he spoke. First time in Denver... My mind raced with 20 replies because I so wanted to discuss that rather disgusting habit, but I just launched into my response. No, I've been to Denver before, I said, but I often fly into Colorado Springs via Denver. He spat again, forcefully this time. I apparently had said something very wrong. His nostrils flared and his eyes blazed. He explained that he hated Colorado Springs because it was full of Christians. I looked frantically with one eye for an emergency exit. 
This man was totally unaware that he was sitting right next to a Christian and a Christian leader at that. This could get rather tricky. I listened with gathering alarm as he told me that he had been debaptized, a private ritual of his designed to ceremonially renounce any allegiance to God and church. Catholicism, he continued, had been shoved down his neck from birth. And then came the question that I was really dreading. So, Jeff, what do you do for a living? I coughed nervously and considered lying, but couldn't think of an occupation. Well, um, I'm a minister of the Christian kind. There was a very long pause from him. His eyes narrowed. He pursed his lips. At last he spoke. Oh, you're a minister, are you? You'd probably be lining up with that crowd in Colorado Springs. My mind raced, and so I just quietly explained why I followed Jesus. But then I also apologized. I wanted this man to know that I felt ashamed about the way that the church rants at people. I felt bad about some television evangelists who shout and pick on certain types of sins and extort money. I apologized because this man had found the church so irrelevant, so unwelcoming. And then those narrow eyes widened, and I thought for a moment that they were going to fill with tears. But he smiled, a great big warm smile, and then he put his hands together, prayer-like. Jeff, he said, thank you for your words. I am humbled by them. And please know that I think that Jesus Christ is in your life. Once again, I thank you. And then, remarkably, something of a friendship began because he scribbled his address down and asked Kay and I if we'd like to join him for dinner in Denver. And then, three days later, he showed up at our hotel and delivered complimentary tickets for our whole family for the Colorado Rockies baseball game. Suspicion and enmity were sent packing by a simple expression of heartfelt regret. And it all started with, sorry. Sometimes saying sorry can mean absolutely nothing. Boys will be boys, as they say, and I recall one occasion when my grandsons were busily illustrating that truth. Alex had a toy that he didn't want to share, and Stanley felt that this was a violation of the Christian ethic of selflessness, so he gave his younger brother a slap. Alex didn't feel able at this stage of his spiritual maturity to turn the other cheek, so he gave his brother a slap in response. Much yelling ensued until our son-in-law, Ben, intervened, diffused the escalating conflict, and then made that demand that parents always make when siblings get into a fuss. Now, guys, say sorry to each other. There was silence, reluctance, much shrugging of the junior shoulders. Both waited, hesitating because going first with the apology would be tantamount to admitting greater guilt, and that just wasn't going to happen. Finally, the deadlock was broken. Stanley, his face wooden, eyes down on the carpet, mumbled, sorry. Alex responded with a reciprocal mumble. Neither one looked at the other. And although they did as they were told, this much was obvious. If there was such a thing as an instrument to measure heartfelt sincerity, they would have both registered low on the scale. What was real was their desire to end the telling-off session, and the mouthing of, sorry, did just that. And it's not just children who do this. Some of us adults have honed this to a fine art. 
saying sorry is a way to end the awkwardness of potential offence. Elton John, as I said earlier, famously sang that sorry seems to be the hardest word, and for some of us, it really is. I recently watched a documentary where a daughter confronted her father about years of horrendous physical abuse that he'd inflicted upon her mother. The abusive father looked ashamed. He shifted around uncomfortably in his seat and admitted that he felt bad, but, well, that was then, but this is now. Let's move on, he said. What he didn't say was sorry. She waited and waited, allowing the awful silence to hang between them, desperate for him to just apologise. As far as I know, she's still waiting. One of the catchphrases that emerged from the classic movie Love Story back in 1970 was the misguided notion that love means never having to say you're sorry, which has to be one of the most ridiculous statements ever made. But I'm wondering if, for some, sorry isn't hard to say, and it's not because love means that we don't have to say it, Rather, we can squander the word sorry. Like a country that hits an economic crash and discovers that its currency is now next to worthless, surely we can devalue the currency of apology if we use it thoughtlessly and cheaply. Apparently, the English are especially guilty of apology misuse. Our readiness to apologise for things we haven't done is almost comical, and yet tempered by our unwillingness to apologise for the things we have done. And sometimes saying sorry is not about warding off conflict, but just a vanilla expression of politeness, something to make our lives easier. Being seen to be humble and being quick to apologise can be an expression of that. It's also a fantastic way to look good. In wanting to appear servant-like, we consider that girding our loins with a towel is a tad bit extreme, and so an easier strategy is to live on the edge of apology. Back in 2010, there was a study among young Canadians who were asked about their saying sorry moments. Many people aged 18 to 25 were more interested in impressing others and in advancing in their career through making personal connections and therefore being more open to saying sorry. They wanted just to keep their relationships positive. Even more alarmingly, some even use sorry as a device for repeating their bruising behaviour. Some time ago, the British government launched a campaign to highlight the evils of domestic abuse and discuss the disturbingly high number of people who resort to violence in their closest relationships. No doubt the abuser often says sorry after the punching, even with tears. But then the pattern continues. Sorry has changed nothing. I've met people who seem to spend their entire lives hurting others and then rushing on to emotional, apologetic speeches. They consistently bruise with their thoughtless words. They hurt with their blundering decisions. But they're quick to utter the word sorry. An apology is not a sticking plaster that we can hastily slap on to heal a deep wound, especially when a destructive pattern of behaviour continues. And sometimes... The word sorry can actually be harmful in church circles. I recently endured an awkward prayer gathering where the topic for the evening had been forgiveness, and the preacher suggested that we end the evening by approaching somebody who had offended us and telling them that we'd release them from our anger and that we were sorry for our lingering bitterness. The saddest sight was a line of people that formed around one fairly well-known Christian leader 
who had obviously managed to upset quite a few people in his time. I thought that perhaps we should have installed one of those take-a-number contraptions that are found in supermarkets. Yes, I'm very glad that you've got that off your chest, but there are a lot of people waiting to confront me. Number 47, please. The practice of informing people that we've been upset with them, sometimes over a period of many years, is dubious at best. These so-called confessions can be a sneaky way of hurting people while feeling pious at the same time. I've had a few people tell me how liberated they felt after getting their hatred for me off their chest, and I've been left feeling devastated as a result. When we're thinking about saying sorry, not everything has to be sorted out or talked through. Sometimes we just need to keep our irritation and even our sense of offence to ourselves, deal with it in our relationship with God, and just move on. A big revelatory confession is not always needed. Not everything calls for a big sorting out. Sorry, it's often just the first step on a meaningful journey. That's why the Bible celebrates godly sorrow. There's a sorrow that we can feel just because we've been caught or we're embarrassed about our failure or grieved because of the consequences of our actions. But true sorrow is but a stepping stone to real change. It might involve weeping, but when the tears are dried, there's a change of behaviour. In the Bible, King Saul wept bitterly over his murderous treatment of young David, but all too soon his abusive behaviour returned. You can read about it in 1 Samuel 26. Perhaps you find yourself in a relationship where a punch is usually followed up with a tearful apology. You may even have been told that it's your Christian duty to forgive. Therefore, you have to put up with this abusive lifestyle. But that's just another form of emotional blackmail and manipulation. Sorry can be a hollow word and a control word too. We'd all do well to learn from the formal Japanese notion of sunayo, or selfless surrender. In making an apology, Japanese culture demands that the penitent person fully surrenders to the perception of the person that they have wronged and places themselves at their mercy. That seems rather extreme. What's shown here is that there's real sincerity. The apology is costly indeed. So, let's view the word sorry as a valuable, genuine concession that shouldn't be tossed around and cheapened. Let's not flash it in an attempt to validate our credentials in humility. And whatever we do, let's not use sorry in a way that creates more sorrow. As we've been reflecting on apologising, saying sorry, perhaps there are issues that have been raised tonight. You'd like to talk with someone, pray with somebody. Our Premier Lifeline is open from 9am to 5pm, Monday through Friday. And so why not grab a pen and take this number down? 0300 111 0101. That's 0300 111 0101. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Lucas on Life.